there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so uh, we got a clean house right now. All of our uh, massive piles of mails have been answered. Producer Doug is, I think, napping or dead. Oh, he's stirred. He's just napping. He's everybody. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so with the producer napping is usually when we go off book. Ooh. Remember that time where we did an episode about the Nick Arcade? Yeah, I remember that. That was when producer Doug was last napping. Oh, yeah. Or that time where we did the lore of the Sonic the Hedgehog video games. No, that was approved by producer Doug. Oh, was it? Okay. I can never tell. Sometimes it looks like he's napping because he puts that weird hat down in front of his eyes. But then when you walk past him, he lifts his head up slightly so you see the whites of his eyes. Anyway, yes, the Nick Arcade episode, which if you go back into our analogs of our history, you can look up and listen to a, the episode where we talk about Nick Arcade, which is not a video game, but is video game adjacent. It is. Uh, and that's going to be important in this episode. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been recently been playing. Zach, what have you been recently been playing? I have recently been playing Moon Remix RPG Adventure, which was developed by Love Delic, which is a Japanese company and published in 1997, originally in Japan for the PS1, but it was recently ported to the Switch in 2020 and to the PC in 2021. So I have been playing the PC version. The game is what you might call an antithesis to RPG games. So whereas in a standard JRPG you play as the hero you go around fighting monsters and talking to NPCs and collecting items in this game you play as an NPC who exists in this RPG world that is for a fictional game on a fictional console called the Game Station. At the beginning of the game, you start off playing as this uh, small boy who is playing his video game one night. The game he's playing is like your stereotypical RPG. It's got these big, beautiful 16-bit sprites. It's got this kind of uh, medieval-sounding music. You walk around, you fight monsters, you like one-hit kill enemies, and then you fight a dragon. And then the boy's mother says it's time to go to bed so he goes to bed and then uh the tv turns back on the game boots back up the boy gets sucked into the video game world and when he awakens in the video game world he takes on the uh, form of this npc and it's his job now to explore the video game world from the perspective of the NPC. And you soon learn that the hero of the game, the one you had previously played as, is kind of uh, a jerk. He's slaughtered tons of creatures that have uh, lived in the woods. He's attacked uh, an innocent dog that lives in the town. He robs villagers by walking into their houses, going to their bedrooms, and taking everything from their dressers. Um, so it's your job to now grow your love and the love of of the NPCs and the other characters in this game by granting wishes. So you go around and you talk to the NPCs, you figure out what they need, and you try to get them to, uh, be happy and uh, this includes talking to villagers talking to you know slimes in the woods or, or creatures in the woods that would otherwise be evil while also you know trying not to strain the path of the hero who wants to destroy everything um so it really is kind of the opposite of what you'd expect from an, an rpg and it's a game that is really unique in that way and i think some of the humor is really great where like for example when i was i was walking to someone's business to talk to one of the npcs and i I started to kind of like wander around with my character and I started to walk into like a private section of their of their business. Uh, the NPC grabbed my character and dragged me away from the private section and says, who do you think you are? That hero goes around stealing all my stuff. And I was like, 
You know, it is true. When you're playing RPG games, the heroes just kind of walk in and, like, break vases or just, like, open people's chests and just steal things all the time. Heroes in RPG games are jerks, and uh, this game really lets you kind of see what it's like to live the life of an NPC. So it's very much a game that's, uh, I would call it an antithesis to JRPGs. Um, it's very much a parody of JRPGs. It's a game that I, I think is definitely worth checking out. Um, and it was uh, a game that also heavily inspired Toby Fox to make his game under Undertale, um, which Undertale has a lot of those themes of like choosing not to kill a creature and instead giving it affection um, to win a battle sort of deal. Um, and that's something that's expressed here. So yeah, that's Moon Remix RPG Adventure. Seth, what have you been recently playing? Recently, I've been playing a game that I actually played back at PAX and I feel like I played a bit before or seen a lot of videos for it. And that's System Shock, which came out May 30th of 2023. It was developed by Night Dive Studios and published by Prime Matter. Uh, Night Dive Studios does a lot of development of older games to ma either make them work on newer hardware or sometimes they remaster older games. Um, but they, they have a pattern of picking up older intellectual properties and sitting on them and then doing something with them eventually. Um, I believe they are the ones that currently own Titanic out of time adventure out of time and so maybe they'll do something with that i picked up in june and i've been enjoying it it's very much like bioshock and also kind of like prey since it is really the original bioshock hence the shock in their name right so the system shock bioshock and the shock series as it were kind of evolved out of system shock system shock plays a little more open world than bioshock but a little less directional than bioshock you're kind of on the space station and you have a, an end goal um, to defeat uh, Shodan and that's pretty much it. You're really left to your own devices and figuring out where to go, how to get down, where to map and all the maps are huge. You play as this uh, hacker security guy of the space station and you at some point in time in the beginning of the move, in the beginning of the game you are responsible for taking the ethical constraints off of Shodan and then you end up being on the space station and then you have to fight Shodan because Shodan's killing everybody yeah, possibly because it no longer has ethical constraints and it's cool i like it it's first person has like a collection vibe it also has like um where you go pray where you can go to the recycling machine you can like recycle to make other things you could do that in system shock so you can either when you pick up items you can vaporize them into little cubes of junk and then you can put the junks in the recycler and you can get coat tokens and you can use those tokens to buy upgrades or equipment you can also carry around junk and recycle the junk so junk will wield higher credits but will take up more space so carrying around like for example a bedpan may take up six cubes of inventory uh -huh. where recycling it will take up one cube of inventory and you have to use like uh you've got to weigh the pros and the cons because some things are better vaporized some things are better recycled pure i guess it's a system shock is a faithful remaster of the original and it also makes the game a whole lot easier to play it's very traditional control scheme it does have a lot to it like the inventory the map the there's like emails and like audio diaries and all that um so there's a lot to get into it but it's presented in a way that is modern but it's not changed the game is very much still the same system shock game 
game from what I've read from people who play the original System Shock. It's just very like clean and updated. Right. So Zach, what are we going to be doing about uh, for the uh, the episode here? Yeah, well, while producer Doug is sleeping, we decided that we're going to take a look at something video game adjacent. And that is the lore behind the Sonic the Hedgehog comic series created by Archie Comics. So not to confuse it with the Sonic the Comic created by Fleetway or Sonic the Hedgehog created by IDW, which is the currently running series. But we're going to we're going to talk about the lore that exists within these comics. It gets pretty weird. So uh, stick with us. And uh, to kind of brief everyone, the Sonic the Hedgehog comic series was published from 1992 to 2016 through Archie. Uh, The series was at one point the longest running comic series based on a video game. And initially the comic started out in kind of a more comedic tone. So the earliest issues are more inspired by the comedy series, The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, with characters from the more serious series, Sonic the Hedgehog both starring Jaleel White. And uh, at some point, it did take on the more serious kind of melodramatic tone. Uh, The series has seen a lot of writers and pencilers and artists throughout its era, but the main writers include Ian Flynn, Ken Penders, Michael Gallagher, Carl Bowlers, and Scott Fulop. The series would end when Sega ultimately decided that they didn't want to renew the license with Archie. Uh, They wanted to essentially streamline the comics to be more in line with the games, plot-wise, and uh, the current comic series published by IDW and written by Ian Flynn is actually considered canon to the games uh, per Sega. Actually, recently in a uh, Sega like video they put out, they like acknowledged the comics for the IDW series as being canon to the games, which is uh, pretty cool because, you know, before the games and the comics kind of existed as two separate entities, people could see the games as being similar, but with their differences. And if you remember our Sonic lore episode, you're going to recognize some things. Some things are going to be familiar, but some things are certainly going to be way different. Let's start things off 12,000 years before Sonic, or as I like to call it, 12,000 years BS. Around this time in our history of Earth, the planet was not known as Mobius. It was known as Earth. During this time, animals were not able to speak. And at some point, a human named Dr. Ivan Kintobar, who was a scientist who worked on private military contracts, captured the only emissary of the alien race known as the Zorda. Using the alien's DNA and technology, Kintobar created Isaac, a hyper-intelligent robot who he would put into stasis. The Zorda attempted a peaceful communication with the Earth, but due to the capture of their emissary, they took this as an immediate threat, so they bombed the Earth with gene bombs, intending to destroy all life on the planet. Life was effectively eradicated, but the now molten Earth began to create primordial ooze, which, combined with the blah 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 science that they have in the gene bombs, would help hyper-evolve a new race of humans, these being the four-fingered humans known as overlanders. Bombings also damaged the DNA of the already existing animals, causing a rapid evolution to create what we would call the Mobians, which were Sonic's people. A portion of humans did in fact survive, non-Overlander humans. These humans survived in a bunker hidden underneath a volcano. I'm not quite sure why they were in a bunker under a volcano or how they survived gene bombs, but you know, they did, and this eventually sprawled into a metropolis that became known as Station Square, uh, which will come up eventually later down the line now let's cut ahead like 
12,000 years or so, 50 years or so before the Great War, Professor Gerald Robotnik of House Ivo is commissioned by the United Federation to create the ultimate life form. He gets help from an alien known as Black Doom. He retreats to the space colony Ark to work on his project, but soon the United Federation's forces storm the colony and capture Gerald. At this time, they kill Maria Robotnik, Gerald's sick granddaughter, and Project Shadow escapes. Why did he, his granddaughter have to die? Oh, she got shot. Wow. Sonic comics are brutal. That happens in the game, too. She runs to go help Shadow escape, and she gets gunned down by a soldier. So when you said in the game, I only think of Sonic 2 as the game. So I was like, where does that happen in Sonic yeah, 2? Yeah, you don't remember the sprite animation of the child being shot oh, by Oh, man. Someone's got to do a demake of that game and put it in the Sonic 2. Now... In the comic, Maria, Robotnik's dead granddaughter, who's sick, she has NIDS, N-I-D-S. This is the Sonic comic version of AIDS. Shadow was created partially to find a cure for NIDS and also partially to be a weapon. I don't know how a hedgehog who is very grumpy can both be a weapon and also cure NIDS, but apparently that's what he was found for. Well, Mobians and Overlanders don't really like each other so much so that they eventually just go to war. Uh, the Mobians, specifically the kingdom of Acorn, they soon take in a defector, none other than Dr. Julian Kintobar, who offers to assist them by providing tactics and technology. Kintobar later gets permission to allow his nephew, Snively, to defect and assist. The Overlanders are pushed back and eventually surrender. A small number of survivors go off to find a new planet, and the remaining members on Mobius stay and incorporate with Station Square's human population. Kidobar is made warlord and is given more control, working closely with Charles Hedgehog, brother to Jules, who is the father of Sonic. And around this time, Kidobar begins to do research into the Zone of Silence and roboticization. Which is the process to turn a living creature into a robot. Following the roboticization of Charles and Jules, Kintobar launches a full-scale coup d'etat and renames himself Dr. Ivo Robotnik. And this is in honor of his grandfather, who is Gerald Robotnik, and also of his cousin, Maria Robotnik, and the House of Ivo. A few years after the coup, Sonic is now aged around 12 or 13, and he has joined a group of resistance fighters known as the Freedom Fighters. Along with the princess and heir apparent to the Kingdom of Acorn, Sally, he continues to hold off Robotnik's attempts to fully destroy the world. Around this time, Sonic begins to go through some arguably pretty weird adventures. Uh, he accidentally one day accesses a wormhole that takes him to a new dimension where he meets his evil counterpart. Uh, he also is greeted at one point by another version of himself who comes from a universe where Robo Robotnik has destroyed everything and is planning to destroy the Prime Universe. And Sonic also teams up with all these other selves to destroy Robo Robotnik. After this multiverse of madness, one may say, Sally's father, King Max, is found. He had gone missing into the zone of silence, and he's returned from his exile. However, he's gravely injured, and his body starts crystallizing. Uh, Knuckles, who is now in the picture, uh, and is also not really good at his job of being Guardian of the Master Emerald, because he's never on the floating island, Guardian the Master Emerald, is helping Sonic search for something called the Sword of Acorns, which he hopes to use to fix King Max and return turn him to his proper state the end game sonic did it first yeah avengers did not do end game first sonic did end game first <laughs> 
Sonic is framed for the murder of Sally after a mission goes awry. Now, on the lam, Sonic tries to enlist the help from people who believe his story. Meanwhile, Dr. Robotnik is working on creating the ultimate annihilator, which is programmed to destroy all life on the planet that isn't him. Which is pretty, uh, I would say, pretty complete. Now, Sonic goes through some stuff and eventually learns that Robotnik staged Sally's death in order to take control. He goes to Robotnik's base to take revenge. And after a pretty long fight, Robotnik activates the ultimate annihilator. However, unbeknownst to him, Snively has changed the annihilator to not target everybody but Robotnik, but only to target Robotnik. Thus, Robotnik is completely disintegrated forever. So the true hero of Sonic the Hedgehog is not Sonic, but is in fact Snively, who is just a traitor. And Sally isn't really dead. She's just kind of dead. She's in a coma. Though Sonic will eventually wake her up though, so she is okay. The whole plot to like frame Sonic is also very confusing. And the, the way they resolve it, let me say, is very confusing. So the plot to frame Sonic is this character named Hershey, who is a uh, cat, is in love with a double agent who actually is working for a Robotnik, but people think he's working for, um, you know, the Freedom Fighters. His name's Drago. And he convinces Hershey to like dress as Sonic and... And they go on a mission and he gives her this like special pair of glasses, which makes her see Princess Sally as Snively. So she like sees Snively hanging from a rope and she goes and cuts the rope. So Snively presumably falls to his death and it's actually Sally. And (laughs) everyone sees this person dressed as Sonic drop Sally from this like really tall building. (laughs) And that's like the way they frame Sonic. But what's the best way that Sonic is able to prove his innocence is he's friends with with a dragon named Wait, Dulcy. Can we just recap? I just want to say this is all 100% canon. <laughs> yeah. So this is Sonic lore of the Sonic games. And this is what is behind it. Stamped by approval by Sega. So let me tell you now how they get Sonic's innocence all cleared. Sonic's friends with a dragon named Dulcy. Dulcy is hanging out with like, she finds Sonic and she like helps him stay hidden. And then when Sonic is confronted by King Max's guards who are trying to track him down for murdering Sally, Dulcy's like, hold on, I'm a dragon and I can see into Sonic's heart and I know he is telling the truth. And as you know, dragons don't lie. And that's how Sonic is proven to be innocent. So immediately following the death of Robotnik, Sonic gets an award for, I don't really know what, because Snively's the one that killed Robotnik, but Sonic gets an award and he starts having some weird hallucinations about Robotnik still being alive. The issue that this happens in issue 51 is very weird. The art style gets like very distorted and Sonic keeps like seeing flashes of like his real life mixed in with this like fake world that he's in. I used to love reading it as a kid and I still have my issue and it's like in terrible condition but he wakes up eventually from this weird hallucination to find out that the award he was given had a a chip in it that was giving him these hallucinations and the chip got activated by a signal somewhere out in space so something is up so Robotnik is dead but there's still something going on and Sonic learns that Robo Robotnik the Robotnik from that other dimension who he had beaten is back and has taken the place of Prime Robotnik so basically 
quickly, Robo Robotnik, while initially defeated by Sonic, returned to his old dimension and destroyed it, just wiped everything out. And he realized that he was bored being the ruler of this dimension that he had conquered. So he decided he was going to conquer a new dimension. And he went to Sonic Prime's dimension to take over and replace the Robotnik that was killed. And he also takes on the body of the Sonic Adventure era Robotnik. So that was kind of the way that they were able to like write in Robotnik's new design was like, oh, this is a different Robotnik. And I, I want to make sure that this is clear. The Robotnik that's in the comics from issues 1 to 50 dies flat out is dead later on a new robotnik is introduced from an entirely different dimension so this is sonic again 100 canon during this time the new robotnik releases chaos who's this ancient god and chaos destroys station square sonic comes in and stops him and it's pretty much the plot of sonic adventure the game with some differences because the team at archie weren't actually able to get an english copy of the game because it wasn't finalized yet and sega refused to give them a script so they had to interpret the game story through the Japanese version that they had to import uh, using their own money. After this though, Robotnik releases Shadow, who then does his thing. Again, see Sonic Adventure 2 the game, and uh, so on and so on. Sometime later, a surviving spaceship that had left Mobius before the war returns with some overlanders. These overlanders include Colin Robotnik, Robotnik's brother. Colin's daughter, Hope, gets caught up with some Mobians. She kind of has a little freak out. And her father tells her that his people can uh, live with Robotnik and be safe. Though Robotnik has some weird powers now, whereas he can turn people into robots using a Midas touch, where he touches people and they automatically turn into robots and he turns his entire family barring hope into robots uh anyway hope does escape and she ends up living with the the freedom fighters um and she becomes a kind of integral part of their team though she's always kind of uh there's always kind of a little disconnect between her and her family with the fact that, you know, she is a Robotnik living amongst people who have been tortured effectively by Robotnik. Now, Shadow also turns good for some reason. We think, based on our copious amounts of research, that because he's a chill guy, he ends up becoming really good friends with Hope because she looks a lot like Maria Robotnik, and he eventually just becomes good based on, you know, just being a nice guy. Also, a fun anecdote, with Robotnik's weird Midas touch powers, he could turn people into robots, either with or with without free will. Basically, if the person chooses to become a robot, they retain their free will. He turns a bunch of the overlanders from spaceships into robots without free will and leaves them in a city of Robotropolis, while later the city gets nuked, meaning everyone inside the city is destroyed. All of this happening in a uh, children's comic. A fun note on that, Sonic is partially responsible for the city getting nuked, because he puts up a bubble around the city to make sure like the nuclear explosion doesn't go too far, and uh, it just decimates the entire city city and it's gone meaning like and you don't see like any like surviving robots all the people that were there vaporized well maybe they be maybe they were killed when they became robots i guess so sonic was trying to find a way to save them he freed them he didn't save them i should also add here that while a ton of this is happening a bunch of robo-sized mobians from the first great war gain their free will and return home and while mobians are rightfully confused they deal with it and live with their robot families and mobians are animals aren't they yeah mobians are like talking walking animals yeah so it's like this robot toucan comes back and lives with this toucan family yeah so basically all these effectively they were robotnik slaves they were people that were robotized during the coup just suddenly like regained their free will and just like come home 
and they're like, yeah, we're normal now. And everyone's like a little, a little weary of it. And there's a lot of red, there's a lot of prejudice going on for a bit. But then they kind of resolve it. And Sonic like lives with his parents, they're robots. But then the robot families disappear. And then they reappear as normal Mobians because some group of aliens called the Beam got bored. Yeah. So yeah. they essentially, at, at one point in time, the uh, the comic person is like, this is done with the robot family. They're now regular family. Maybe they forgot to draw them as robots. And we're like, yeah, we'll just make a plot to make it so that they're no longer robots well there's so there's this whole sub note about like sonic's dad has to remain a robot because his injuries during the war were so bad that if he was turned back into a mobian he would just die instantly and like there's this whole comic where like all the robians disappear they all return as normal except for sonic's dad who comes back as the robot and sonic's like what and sonic legitimately thinks it's robotnik's fault he like goes to robotnik and is like why did you turn all the robians normal except my dad and robotnik's like i have no idea what you're talking about so around this time knuckles is becoming more powerful and he gets so super powerful that he also turns evil because power corrupts absolutely he also turns green because green corrupts absolutely and then when he's being evil knuckles he gets crushed when the building collapses because uh had a, he had it coming to him this is how he dies he gets crushed by a building and then he goes to kidna heaven and when he comes back to life uh he's very sad that he lost all his powers but he also doesn't care there is one panel of him acknowledging that he lost his powers is he is he also not green anymore yeah he's red now <laughs> oh so he just goes he's back to normal is echidna heaven kind of like dragon ball heaven no he's like floating in in this void with a echidna lady who shows him all the stuff from his past and tries to explain to him that it's time to move on and then he's like it is time to move on and he goes and moves on and then he comes back and he's like wait a minute i don't want to move on send me back home she's like uh okay but you're gonna lose all your powers and he comes back and he's like oh my powers are gone that's it is he still able to fly oh yeah he can still like glide and stuff he just like can't do his like really cool powers that he had while he was green yeah but he has his like natural echidna powers yeah yeah, you know like gliding and sticking to walls and super punching people (laughs) yeah the zorda then also come back this is the time that the zorda get a big sundial which is going to destroy the earth and sonic smashes it and when sonic smashes the sundial uh he then gets lost in space and sonic let me tell you has a wild time in space he meets the beam and he asks them why they changed the robotized mobians back to normal and they were like seemed like the nice thing to do and he was like okay and then he has like he goes to like a trial because the beam have this like non-interference policy and the one that changed the robians to mobians wasn't supposed to do that and he has to like defend her at a trial very odd he also goes to this one planet where he finds chaos emeralds uses them but turns into evil supersonic who is a separate version of sonic and they fight and evil supersonic is a jerk and blows things up it's wild he eventually does get back to earth uh, but when he comes back to earth uh robotnik who's now calling himself eggman has taken over a good chunk of the world and also now created the eggman empire so sonic has this friend antoine i should say antoine is this kind of cowardly little coyote guy he wears this little uniform but when sonic comes back Antoine is like no longer cowardly. He's like stoic. He has the scar down his eye and he's just like, like something happened to him. And everyone just thinks he got like messed up in the time that Sonic was gone, which was one year. But unbeknownst to everyone, Antoine was replaced with evil Antoine from the alternate evil dimension. Evil Antoine switched places with Antoine and he plans to marry Sally and kill the king. Sonic stops him and finds regular Antoine regular Antoine comes back 
and he's just as cowardly as he was before <laughs> and no longer has the scar. Also, Knuckles, uh, his mom has a baby and that baby's name is Kneecaps. <laughs> Kneecaps the Echidna. So wait, Kneecaps is Knuckles' half-brother. Half-brother. Yeah. Are they just members of a mob? <laughs> I don't know. Well, his, so the baby's real name is Kneecapian, but they call him Kneecaps for short, which makes me think Knuckles' real name is like Knuckleodeon or something. <laughs> like it's just... Knuckleodeon. Now, to be honest, at, around the point in the comic, I personally fell off of it, but I did keep up with some plots. So there are a lot of different stories happening around this time that we're going to quickly summarize in a like paragraph. Robotnik launches a bunch of nukes and basically is like, can you stop the nukes all at once, Sonic? Uh, he then carpet bombs Knothole, which is Sonic's like old home. Sonic's like friends have moved to a different place at this point. So their old home was basically just like there for the memory. But yeah, Robotnik literally comes in with his like air fleet and just carpet bombs the place. Also, Sally has this computer which starts talking and becomes a living, breathing creature. And in a Knuckles side story, this echidna god named Energek comes back and possesses Knuckles and destroys a city. But then Knuckles gets better and the echidna god goes away. I, let me tell you, Knuckles has his own lore. So Knuckles has lore that is deep, deep lore. That goes back even further than Sonic's lore. And that could be a whole nother episode in itself. Just going over Knuckles lore. We're not doing that today. Eggman watches the Death Egg Mark II. Which is the sequel to his old Death Egg. Which is located, which is in the games. And also in this really short kind of insignificant comic storyline from the mid-1990s. The Death Egg Mark II has a mega roboticizer on it. And some other new tech. Eggman activates Operation Clean Sweep. Which completely alters time and space. This causes the first Genesis wave, which briefly resets the world to be the canon of the original Sega Genesis games. Sonic collects all seven Chaos Emeralds and uses his supersonic abilities to fix the universe and set it back to normal. However, during this time, Sally is roboticized. This goes to a period of time where Robo Sally and Sonic's freedom fighters go off and have a bunch of fights in different places. Around here is when Eggman gets in touch with Dr. Wily, a scientist from an alternate reality, the Mega Man reality, and Wily and Eggman, the Mega Man and the Sonic guy, team up to manipulate the two universes together to create a universe where Mega Man and Sonic coexists. Mega Man harnesses the Chaos Emerald power and reverses the wave, which fixes the timeline. Is there? Did they do a series of comics where it was Mega Man and Sonic? Yeah, there's there is a there is a Mega Man comic series that ran around the time this was happening, separate by Archie. It was a short short-lived comic series that was done by some of the same team members. It's not bad. Now, after this happens, another wave happens, this time called the Super Genesis Wave, which, listener, I want you to think about everything we've talked about. I want you to think about Zorda. I want you to think about Gene Bombs and just all of the weird, weird things we've already gone over. None of that matters because the Super Genesis Wave changes the canon of the entire comic series. The Super Genesis Wave is caused by a combined efforts of Dr. Wily and Dr. Robotnik. Basically, they use use the Chaos Emeralds to create their own universe and Sonic and Mega Man have to like intervene but when Sonic tries to restore the world it causes this ripple effect which wipes out about 244 characters that were in the comic series who are no longer in the series they just 
gone. And this is what is called the Super Genesis Wave. And this was really done for logistical reasons. So to break the lore a bit, to get out of the lore and to go into a little bit of a logistical thing, Archie got into a lawsuit with a writer and that writer was able to retain the rights to some of his characters. Those characters had to be removed from the comic. And at the same time, Sega said, stop using so many characters. Let's keep it a little more simple. And Archie eventually effectively had to like rework everything. So now this new storyline is lovingly called the post-Super Genesis Wave. Starting off, let's change a couple of fundamental points. Mobius was never Earth. Also, it's it's not even called Mobius. It's just called Sonic's World. Overlanders, not even around anymore. There's no such thing. There's just plain old humans. And Zordas, they didn't ever happen. There was no gene bombs. Knuckles also is now an only child, but he's not only an only child, his entire race is extinct, except for him. Knuckles is now the only echidna. And besides that, the Sonic world just kind of sinks up in a few places to what the games are. Gerald Robotnik creates Shadow at the Ark, Maria has a disease, though they never called the disease nids and is killed by the united federation robotnik becomes warlord starts a coup yada 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 there's a lot of things that are the same but everything's just a little different like they they show some flashbacks to robotnik having his coup and he's now drawn like the robotnik that we know from the sonic games not the one that they drew in the archie comics the biggest difference though is that all of the games are now canon to the comics then archie comics were canceled so that's it before we close things off Let's talk about an incredibly weird non-canon future. So yeah, everything I talked about was decanonized by the Super Genesis Wave, but before the Super Genesis Wave happened, there was a comic series, originally just a uh, like side story that would occur in the last couple of pages, and then they ran two full issues that were dedicated storylines called Mobius 25 Years in the Future. In Mobius 25 Years in the Future, Sonic and Sally get married and have two children, Manic and Sonia, whose names come from the television show Sonic Underground. Sally becomes queen and Sonic becomes king consort. Knuckles' father, Locke, dies from terminal cancer and Knuckles is long-term paired to a girl named Julie Sue. Echidnas don't really have marriages. They call it long-term pairing. Uh, They have a daughter named Lara Sue and she's destined essentially to become the next guardian. During the ceremony to become guardian, Sonic visits Knuckles for the first time. They uh, play pool. They like hang out. They like shoot the breeze. It's a really chill comic. And then like the past gets really rewritten and all of a sudden Shadow is now king. Sonic's children aren't around and it's really weird and Lara Sue comes from this alternate timeline to fix everything and she like finds Sonic he's like homeless, he's no longer king. They team up, they dethrone King Shadow and Sally and Sonic reconcile and get married and the timeline I guess is restored. But there's this really weird panel where Sonic is like finding out that he no longer has children and he's crying and it is like distressing to the point where they had to edit the panel to make it less distressing. And uh, I, I dropped that, those panels in for you, Seth, to see. Oh, yeah. Pretty weird, huh? Yeah. So that's the Sonic lore. That's Sonic the Hedgehog, the Archie comic series. And that's just what the What a Sonic. way to end it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, again, that's just the... That has nothing to do with the IDW stuff. And that's not even getting into the Knuckles lore. The Knuckles lore is like a whole nother storyline. There's like weird governments. Uh, like there's a secret cabal. There's a character named Robbo the Hedge who looks like Sonic just in cosplay as Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild series. But you know what? I loved it. It was one of those comics that I loved reading growing up. I'm really happy that my dad picked up those issues of Sonic the Hedgehog, brought them home whenever he went shopping at Stop and Shop. Um, and I still have a good bunch of them. And 
excellent. I just love them. Anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed that episode. We're going to get into our retro rewind. So Seth had me play Steel Panthers, and I think he did this as punishment. So Steel Panthers is an SSI game released in 1995, and it kind of felt like doing homework. It's a turn-based game where the players control various infantry and tanks. It took a very long time to figure out how to set things up because you have to like read through the stats and figure out the best way to like allocate your tanks and you have to purchase infantry and make sure you're buying the right infantry and then you have to place them on the field and then you have to wait for your uh, enemy to take a turn and then you take a turn it wasn't very fun for me but in all fairness the game actually was really well received when it was released I looked into it it sold 130,000 copies and had like a 90% in like every review magazine that I saw but uh personally I just wasn't a big fan of it maybe I need to give it a little more little more time but uh I had trouble figuring out what exactly I was doing the game doesn't really tell you so you probably have to look up the instruction manual like pull up the pdf go through it uh does it hold up if you're really into tactical war games maybe I am personally more into real-time strategy games so maybe next week we can talk about a real-time strategy game does that sound good Seth we'll talk about maybe uh the dawn of a real-time strategy game yeah sounds good uh anyways Seth I want you to play north and south for the nes I hope this is also not a punishment it's actually supposed to be I think an okay game I am sad that you didn't like steel panthers zach had me play alien versus predator for the snes released back in 1993 and developed by jordan and on a scale beat-em-ups with the x-men arcade game being s tier and the baby's kids game being f tier alien versus predator falls decidedly in d plus c minus tier territory uh it's playable the predator is slow and the aliens are not um and they come at you uh with giant health bars and you have to punch them very slowly or use your various weapons that you can pick up or that you also have you have like a shoulder gun you can shoot over your your shoulder and it, it's just the saddest little gun that just is like pew while you're fighting like hordes of aliens you get power-ups in it that are cool you can go invisible like predator uh you can get spears that predator has and shoot them but the predator just moves so just so slow in this game and uh the backgrounds aren't that great it's just like the same drab sewer background i didn't get really far in the game because predator just moves so slow and uh the aliens do not honestly there are better beat-em-up games out there uh, that you can play you could probably just pass on this one zach you can play outlaws for the pc nice next time well thank you everyone for listening if you enjoyed listening to us talk about the sonic the hedgehog comics let us know if you want to hear about what the knuckles comics are like let us know either we'll record an episode or i'll just send you the weird amount of notes i have on that comic series some wild stuff anyway if you want to reach out to us you can email us at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com we're available on Facebook, Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram, Classic Gaming Brothers, Twitter, CG Brothers Pod. We're also available wherever podcasts can be listened to, be it uh, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or uh, maybe even iTunes. We're everywhere. Anyway, Seth, with that, is there anything I'm forgetting? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's... That's...